the traditional medical things of like going to the doctors and like they couldn't find anything like wrong with me. They were like, mm. oh, you're stressed. Oh, you you have anxiety. And I was like, what is what is stress? What is anxiety? OK, where what do I do? Like there wasn't kind of like exactly like, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's no chill pill. I, mean, I Exactly. <laughs> Precisely. There's nothing I can take to make me feel better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So because of that and the first thing I was very stubborn. So this is another mm. I always like to tell this because I think a lot of people think, oh, she just did one, two, three. No. I was stubborn. I was like, mm. ah, it just happened once. Let me let me brush it off. And then this is another thing I think a lot of people think that it's going to go away on its own. Right. When in fact it actually gets worse. So it was okay for a few months. And then I changed jobs because I thought, oh, this job is so toxic. The stress environment. If I change my job, it's going to be better. And I changed jobs and I found a different school and it was more supportive. But after six months, I started getting panic attacks while I was driving. All right. Welcome back. This is Tell Me Why. I'm Maria Botros. Uh, Welcome back to everyone that's been listening to us the past few weeks. And um, hello to any newcomers. Um, Today, we have Kai Simmons joining me in the studio. She is a mindset and well-being coach. I think that's so fascinating. I think it's important, first of all, to define what a mindset and well-being coach is. Um, So that's going to be my first question to you. But before we do that, um, how are you? How's everything? (laughs) I'm good. I'm good. I'm super happy to be here. Um, Thanks for having me. It's lovely having you in here. Um, So, yeah. So just tell us, like, what is a mindset and well-being coach? Like, what do you do and and who are your clients typically? Yeah, so it's kind of a combination of things, so I'll explain a little bit. But basically what I help others do is overcome anxiety, stress, and of course, burnout. And the way that I do that is through different modalities. But for me, the idea of well-being is your body, mind, and soul. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people, they realize as you go down this journey, you know, your physical health is connected to your mental health. Right. And then for me, I also like to say, you know, we're also... We have a soul, you know, that's what keeps us different between, you know, a chair and a human is that soul part. So for me, the idea of well-being is all about kind of supporting your mind, body and soul because they are all connected. Mm -hmm. And then the way that I do that is a lot of different mindset coaching. So um, for me, one of the things that I focus on a lot is limiting beliefs. Um, That causes a lot of stress in clients and, and anxiety. And then the other part is... Something called somatics, but I've also heard other people call it biohacking. Um, There's so many different terms to it, but basically it's all about learning how to regulate your nervous system. So your body and activating like your own self-healing energy. And I know this might sound a little woo-woo, but I'm happy to explain all of the biology and the science to it. So it's, again, combining that mindset coaching. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the thing I think a lot of people, well, I think... I like to explain the ther- difference between a therapist and a coach, mm. at least for me. I love them both. Yeah. I work with them both. So there's <laughs> yeah. no one or is better the, the, than the other. But yeah. for me, a coach and a lot of what I do with my clients is I make sure that they're taking action. So I always right. give them homework and I'm like, are you implementing this? Are you doing this, this, this? So mm-hmm. that's the other part of like how I support my clients. It's not just, you know, we come and we unpack things and they talk about things, which is important. But then I'm like, OK, we're creating an action plan. We're right. creating a roadmap so that you can move and become successful towards your goals. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. kind of a 
big overview. I'm sure I can okay. explain a bit more as we as we share today. Oh yeah, and we'll dive into everything. Like, don't worry, we'll get there. <laughs> um, but I think it's it's interesting that you said like a, the difference between a life coach and a therapist. We did have. Um, she's a life coach, but more of like on on the corporate side, like a, a mm-hmm. work coach, basically for like um, people in managerial uh, positions or CEOs, and like she's trying to help them, you know, uh, connect with their personal lives a bit more because they've been so overwhelmed with work. Um, and we asked that question, and she said it it works both ways, and they're sort of like interconnected. So like they they complement each other; they they don't go against each Agreed. other. Agreed. And and I think they both help each other Agreed. with with the client, like when it comes to the client. Um, and I think one of the biggest traps that we all fall into is when we think of well-being, we only think of one aspect. Yep. So we so we might look at the physical aspect and neglect the soul, as yeah. you said, and yeah. like the, the psychological yeah. well-being of, of a person. Yeah. And I think that's so crucial. It's 360. Like you 100%. have to. It's it's it's. It's a it's a it's the whole picture rather than just one piece of the puzzle. And I think we forget that. And um, I speak for myself because I think like when I start like a well-being, you know, journey and I'm all pumped, I, I focus on one or two aspects and I neglect the third, yeah. as you said. So um, how do you put that into perspective with like a client? Like, how do you explain that? How do you introduce that? It's super interesting you say that because and I completely agree with what you say, because a lot of the clients, when they come to me, they've already done like the physical part. They're already, right. you know, exercising. They're already eating well. Their nutrition is fine. Um, they've seen therapists. So they're like they've gotten to a specific point and they're kind of stuck. And mm-hmm. I'm gonna, the, the last part that I kind of move them forward. So. So, yeah, I think they it's again when we're in the sessions, it's connecting. Oh, this affects this part of your life. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of connecting the dots, I like to say, mm-hmm. and like finding the patterns that are interconnected between your mind, between your body, and between your soul. Right. And and so then it it becomes kind of like an unraveling because mm-hmm. I've been even just explaining it. It's it's hard to explain it, but when you're in a session, you you feel it. And that's the thing I think with with the soul part, it's not really something you can explain, but it's it's more of a feeling. Mm-hmm. And I know that we've all had that feeling of like. You know, you see something like just going and traveling and seeing this amazing, beautiful nature escape. You get this kind of like I call it the chills where it's just like, right, that I feel like that's your soul. Like that's yes. your soul lighting up. And I think sometimes we forget and we're disconnected. Like we're not just bots. We're not just machines. We have a soul. And so as we go through the sessions, we unravel and we start to connect them all. And it okay. becomes clear at the end. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I know. It, it's sort of like an epiphany at yeah. the end. Like you yeah. feel like, oh my goodness, that this was... This was the journey that I needed. I needed to go through everything to be able to feel this way, to to be able to feel good about myself. Okay, so before we dive into like the technicalities of it all (laughs) and the biohacking, because you mentioned something and I'm and I'm like thinking about it right now, but we'll get into it. You're like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Exactly. Like, I I want to know more. I got you. (laughs) Exactly. But before we do, what got you into that? Like, was it a personal experience? Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so when I came here out to the UAE eight years ago, I came as an English teacher. It was just me and my cat. I brought him from the U.S. And Mm. there were a lot of things in my life that I hadn't addressed. Most mostly like mental health kind of issues, anxiety, and then coming out here by myself, Mm -hmm. you know, starting a new life, starting a new career. um, It kind of just like it all came together and it kind of exploded. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was teaching in the classroom and I had like my first anxiety attack, which is quite scary. You're in a classroom full of like 25 students and then all of a sudden you can't breathe. And so, of course, they didn't see it. Thankfully, I ran out and a colleague helped me. But that was like the first time in my life that I was like, what, what's, what's wrong? Like, Mm. and then I went down that journey, you know, with 
the traditional medical things of like going to the doctors and like they couldn't find anything like wrong with me. They were like, mm. oh, you're stressed. Oh, you you have anxiety. And I was like, what, what is what is stress? What is anxiety? OK, where what do I do? Like there wasn't kind of like exactly like, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's no chill pill. I mean, I- <laughs> exactly. Precisely. There's nothing I can take to make me feel better. Yeah. 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 yeah so because of that and the first thing I was very stubborn. So this is another mm. I always like to tell this because I think a lot of people think, oh, she just did one, two, three. No. I was stubborn. I was like, ah, it just happened once. Let me let me brush it off. And then this is another thing I think a lot of people think that it's going to go away on its own. Right. When in fact it actually gets worse. So it was okay for a few months. And then I changed jobs because I thought, oh, this job is so toxic. The stress environment. If I change my job, it's going to be better. And I changed jobs and I found a different school and it was more supportive. But after six months, I started getting panic attacks while I was driving. Which is also scarier because, again, I hadn't addressed the root causes and I hadn't been taking care of, like, my mental health. So that's when I really started to kind of like, whoa, okay, this is something. This is something. This is something that's not going away. And I started to get into yoga, which is the first step. And also I was like an anti-yoga person. Okay. I played competitive sports my whole life. I was like, you're number one or you're last. (laughs) (laughs) It's just how it works. Exactly. (laughs) Like you're number one or that's it. And that is so stressful, by the way. Like when you are, because I'm like that. I'm a very competitive person. Like even when it comes to like your usual Monday night game night, like I'm just (laughs) so competitive. I take it to a whole new level. And that is a lot of pressure. It Mm -hmm. it does add to the pressure. Sorry Mm -hmm. to cut you off. No, yeah. that's exactly. I'm also still, you know, I call myself like a recovering perfectionist, which comes from competitive. So like me and my husband will be like, and I'm like, just breathe, breathe. just breathe. Yeah, yeah, I don't exactly. have to win everything. Um, so, yeah, getting into yoga was actually because my husband, I was making fun of it all the time. But right. my husband was like, I dare you to go to a yoga class. And, and I was like, this yoga nonsense. What is yeah, this stuff? Yeah. Like, what is, you know, because yeah. again, I was like, I played I was a collegiate athlete. I was a competitor. I was, that was my thing. But I remember I went to my first yoga class and it was a Bikram, which is a 90 minute hot yoga class. Hot yoga, yes. It was horrible. Yes. Horrible. Yes. But in the last part, which is like, they call it Shavasana or your Mm -hmm. resting pose. Resting. For the first time in my life, I think I had like 30 seconds of peace. My mind, there was a constant chatter. Right. My mind was silent and I had a moment of peace that I'd never felt in my life. And I was like, what is this? Yeah, like, this is cool. Like, yeah. what's going on? Yeah. So then that got me down into the whole, like, wellness and holistic route of going into yoga, sound healing, meditation, and then right. um, Ayurveda, traditional Chinese medicine, and then everything I did. So I became a certified yoga teacher, meditation, <laughs> Reiki, sound healing, life purpose coach. Oh, my goodness. Sound healing. Yes. I tried that class, but I I just have to mention this because everything you're talking about is something that I've experienced personally firsthand. So I went to this, it's called a sound bath and healing class. I did it for the first time. And to be honest, it was like I was transported to a different universe and time went by so quickly and she did actually mention that at the beginning of the class. She's like, "Um, you might not feel it, but you like you'll feel like you've almost finished the class in 10 minutes but it's been an hour and when she hit the gong, like I think it was a gong yeah. at the end I was like oh my gosh we, we didn't even like I didn't even spend an hour I look at the watch and it's been an hour yeah. and she's like be very cautious be very sensitive with yourself and that night I broke down in tears and she's like that's she did actually mention that in the class she's like 
you might feel emotional, you might get emotional, tell your partners, tell your husbands, your wives, you know, just take it easy on me. And I did actually tell my husband, I was like, you know, she said this, and I'm not quite sure if that's if if that's going to happen. And I, I kind of brushed it off. And that night, I just started crying out of nowhere. And it was, it was like, it was an eye opener. I think like we we take it lightly. We take yoga lightly. We take the sound healing lightly. But honestly, it was it was life changing. But yeah, sorry, no, I just I had to and, mention and that. No, and to come some to that, I've I've heard that from many people. They've yes. never done sound healing in their life. They're not into this stuff. You know, someone tells them to go, or they go with a friend, and they have very similar experiences to what you're yes. saying. So I I know exactly what you mean, and and yeah, it is it is it is powerful, and and I even got into it because like. I call myself like the worst meditator. I cannot okay. meditate. I t- it's so hard. But in sound healing or when you're doing a sound bath, because there's like a sound, it gave my mind something to to focus on right. instead of just like blanking out. It's, exactly. it's, it's impossible. You, you, focus on, you focus on the sounds. You focus on the vibrations. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. even say like bring in your bottle of water because like those that positive energy gets transferred to like everything that you consume basically. So I, I found it fascinating. There is a science behind it, there I'm is. sure. So there it's is. good. And I, and I agree with you. I find it really hard to meditate because yeah. I get distracted really easily and my mind's always on like turbo. Yep. Like I'm always yep. thinking. I'm always worrying about something that's about to happen. Like <laughs> even yeah. if it's not happening yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so I, I completely get and that I, and again like a yoga teacher sound like i can't even meditate so please guys be yeah. gentle on yourselves <laughs> like give yourself a break it is a very advanced practice i don't know why they yeah they promote meditation for beginners it is not it's <laughs> there's not. other ways to practice mindfulness but meditation itself the practice it's very much an advanced practice oh of course yeah. oh, of course to reach that point where your mind is blank i think that's like the hardest exercise like harder than a hit workout like I would do a hit workout gladly but it's just that like just being completely blank I find that very challenging and it goes into your sleep like I I find that challenging because it's so hard to wind down at night as well before you sleep and I think that adds on to the stress and the anxiety and you know the lack of sleep as well adds on to that we can go on and on I feel like I can talk about this all day long because everyone goes through it Um, but um, I want to go back to like your experience yeah Yeah. so you were saying yoga and you got into that and then what happened next I did all these things for myself and I always tell people I was my first client Mm -hmm. because everything I tried in the traditional sense wasn't working right Um, started working with therapists and then it's like it's it's weird like things just started to, to come come apart and there started to be times in my life where, like, I started to have space in my head because, like you said, like, there was always this constant chatter, this constant, like, mm-hmm. let's go, let's go. But then, like, sometimes I would just, like, where's that voice? And there was space in my head. And I was like, whoa, what is this? And so the more work you do, that's what I like to explain. It feels like it feels like you have, like, clarity in your head. You, mm-hmm. you literally have peace of mind. The voice is quiet. Or when the voice comes in, you can also be like, not right now. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, like, <laughs> you just push it aside yeah Yeah. so the so again my own journey and then sharing it with others and then I was like everyone needs to know this yeah and so then that's when the the shift came from me just trying to work on myself and get myself better to like no I want to help other people who are like me who are like you know very busy people ambitious people who are maybe skeptical about spirituality and wellness but actually these things help and the way that I work and the way that I work on myself is I incorporate it into my life so it's Mm -hmm. not like it's great if you can take a three-week trip to Bali. It's great <laughs> if you can go to uh, Costa Rica for two weeks or take six of months off and travel. That's great. But I, I never, and even now, like, that, that's not really how my life is. Like, you know, I have responsibilities. And also, like, 
I love my life. I don't want to leave it for six yeah, months. I love exactly. my cats. Like, I'd miss them. <laughs> yeah. So those are kind of the people that I resonate with is, is those people who want to integrate it into their life in, right. like, little shifts and little habits because it builds up over time right right um and honestly it's not always feasible like to take six months off i mean we all have full-time jobs and we all have responsibilities as you said like people have kids people have you know lives that they're leading so it's not always like it's good to incorporate it into your day-to-day life rather than taking those six months off because again it's long term as well so like you you sort of have like a like a manual or like a like a guide for the toolkit or your toolbox the toolkit exactly like just uh, something to you know to fall back on okay so um who are typically your clients like how do people approach you and like how does it all start like I feel like if I approach you for the first time I'll be like I don't know what to say like I I just don't know where to start (laughs) yeah so it's funny when I first started I was like okay I'm gonna help ambitious women expats because I'm an expat you know who are around my age range no the clients that I started coming and working with me are like men in their 40s you know people from different parts of the world so both like native speakers native English speakers and non-native English speakers right yeah so like from Europe from you know the region around here from Africa um and again like like I said men so really there's no specific demographic Mm. I thought I had one but then other people started (laughs) approaching me and I started working with them I was like wow we we really get on like we really I'm really able to support you but usually what I do is like I run like master classes or workshops in Dubai because like you said like what I'm just going to go on Instagram and message me and then be like right how do I even start so really I know that it is and it's very overwhelming you wouldn't so the what I usually do is I have like online webinars or I have in-person workshops on different topics related to stress anxiety Mm -hmm. burnout confidence Mm -hmm. and then that's where usually my clients will find me and I love these workshops because like it's so funny because everyone comes in thinking like they're alone in this. But then mm. for me, the workshop is not just about me talking and like talking about myself, but it's right. a mo- an opportunity for people to connect with one another. Right. So that's a great way for them to connect and to share and be open. And then that's when, you know, they'll be like, mm-hmm. OK, so how can I implement this, this into my life? Can you help me? And that's where it kind of you evolves get the ball into rolling. working with them yeah. on one on one basis. Yeah. Yeah. No. And it's important to talk about yourself because when you do that, you sort of encourage them to open up and yeah. to you break that barrier people often think that you know what like it's awkward talking about my feelings it's awkward to tell someone that I'm going through so much when really and you know what I I find it fascinating as well because sometimes I fall into this trap I feel like my life is so it's it's going well like why do I feel this way and I think that's the core of it is that you almost feel like why am I not thankful or why am I not feeling grateful or, or, or feeling well when really my life is going well. Like yeah. I have a good job. I have yeah. a good partner. I have I have healthy kids, let's say. I, I mean, and a lot of people just feel like they fall into that trap and they, they feel like, no, I shouldn't be talking about this because everything's going well. Why am I complaining yep. when really there's a root cause yep. causing all of that yep. pain? Um, okay. So you mentioned stress burnout, anxiety, yeah. those keywords. I know, I know. <laughs> those are those like are the, the buzzwords three, that, the buzz we're, words we're that we're always <laughs> throwing around. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Everyone is talking about these words yeah. and everyone, you know, emphasizes on these words. So before we get into it, um, burnout is going to be like on its own because like I think that's that's the major topic and yeah. I think that's what we're going to focus on. But we, before we get into that, uh, stress and anxiety, um, what are they? Yeah. Like, let's just define them. And, and how do you help people manage them? Mm-hmm. So stress first. So stress is a physiological response to our body thinking that we're in danger. Right. So looking at our 
biology and the way we were designed. You know, I like to say like our I'll go to the thing. So we have something called the amygdala, which is a part of our right. brain, which like is always scanning for danger. Mm-hmm. When we were, you know, like the early humans and we didn't have technology, we didn't have shelter protecting us. This is what kept us safe. Right. They'd be mm-hmm. like, oh, that's a snake. It bit it bit my friend. That snake died. Now I know the amygdala is like, OK, snakes are dangerous, poisonous. Let's avoid that. Right. So this part of our brain is there to protect us, to keep us safe. However, even though our phones get upgrades every year, our brains don't. Right. So our amygdala is always looking out for, for fear, for stress, for, because it thinks it's protecting us. Right. Now, in the world that we live in, especially in Dubai or in cities, like we don't have wild animals chasing us. Like mm. We're not you know, having these huge problems, but our stress triggers are probably something different. Right. They're probably like you know, and uh, a boss or an employee saying something negative about us, it's probably traffic, right? Some of these things. But a mm-hmm. lot of these times, these triggers connect back to our traumas that we had as we were growing up. Right. And our traumas, I like to call them little T. So we have little T and we have big T. Big T are things like, you know, if you like had some physical abuse or like something horrific happen, you're aware of that's big T. And like, if you're, you know, you have big T, right? And you're, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I went through this horrible time. But then there's like little T, like, breakups like the the everyday stuff or this is one for me growing up in school I was so quiet I was Mm. so afraid to speak up in class because there was a moment and this came out in a therapy session so I'm not saying like oh I knew about this and I'm super aware (laughs) yeah where I remember in class someone had raised their hand they got the wrong answer and everyone laughed at them so then that told my brain okay if you raise your hand and you get something wrong everyone's going to make fun of you so Mm. you should never raise your hand or you speak up and these little T's, they're stored in our subconscious, which is the part of our brain that we're not so connected to, right? You have your subconscious and your right, conscious. Right. So our amygdala knows about it, but but we're not. So mm-hmm. we're going through life and the, these little T's of like, for example, that was my little T. So anytime I had to speak up and work, it was already like the amygdala is like, you're in danger, you're in danger, fear. It would send all of the to my nervous system we have two nervous systems i'll get into that right, later yeah. send a signal to my nervous system you're in fear we either fight right fight flight, flight yeah freeze mm. or fawn fawn is kind of like to run to someone and be like help me yeah so this is what happens when you're stressed you you see danger again mm. could be something from it's most likely for for again for the people that i work with little t that happened in their life that they're not aware of and then it's like oh my gosh this is a dangerous zone, stress, and it goes through your body. And when your body is going through that physiological response, it's like I said, fight, flight, or freeze. And mm-hmm. anything else, any other organ, which is basically not your adrenal gland, gets then the energy the blood is not. So like for your example, your digestive issue, right? We need right. we need that to digest. We need our organs. We need our lungs to breathe to keep us healthy. But when we're stressed, we're like, oh, my God, I'm f- afraid. Then, again, everything goes to your adrenal glands to help you fight, flight, or freeze. Mm-hmm. So then that's where the, the the health issues come in. Right. So that's stress. And then, yeah, so stress is, again, seeing and thinking that we're in danger. Either we know it, big T, or we don't know it, little t. Mm-hmm. And then anxiety is then, again, <laughs> trying to prevent that, right? Okay. So we're like, oh, my gosh. Like, our brain is, like, again, trying to foresee the future, right? It's right. always trying to say, like, <laughs> how can I make sure that my future self does not have 
any any danger around me? How can I go down this thing or think this down? And right. again, when you're actually thinking about a stressful situation, our, our brain doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's imagined. Mm. So as you're imagining these like made up scenarios, because this is what I, I used to do a lot. I, it still happens, but lo- a lot less. You're telling your brain like, oh, something bad's going to happen. Then the stress kind of kind of come back, mm. comes back in. But the anxiety is always thinking about something happening in the future right. that hasn't actually happened. Right. So that's a little bit about anxiety and stress as far as like, again, telling our body we're in danger. So then our body then reacts as if we're in danger. Right. And that's when the health issues come up and that's when the burnout comes up. Mm-hmm. And, and, and yeah, but it all starts here. Right. And like I said, a lot of my clients, they're not... And especially for me, like I didn't have like a traumatic, traumatic childhood. Like Mm. my parents were together. Mm. I lived in, you know, the U.S. Nothing ever dangerous really happened to me. So like I think you were sharing earlier, I was like, why am I, at least for me, I was like, why am I so stressed and anxious all the time when I haven't had anything big or bad happen? Exactly. Because it was like these little things, these little T's that I call them that got into my subconscious and started to tell me stories about things that were dangerous that are not actually dangerous. Yes. So yes. that's kind of the hope that makes kind of sense. Yeah, yeah. no, no, it makes a perfect sense because I feel like as children as well, like these little T's, when they stay with you, it's a misconception. They're, they're, they're not real. They're not true. But you grow up thinking they're true. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it really affects you. And then when you're an adult, even though you might recognize that, okay, maybe I was wrong, it's just it's still difficult yeah. to sort of rectify yeah. that misconception. Yeah. So, no, I completely agree. I, I agree with you 100%.